Hey, welcome to Wolf's Watch. How you doing today? Let me take off my uh, $5. Bifocals there. Look, <clears throat> we've been talking about what's coming. Got something to uh, talk with you about today. It's like you be Steve Jobs. Use the Steve Jobs paradigm to refuse to participate in the inflationary, recessionary cycle that we are in right now. Yes, I said the R word, recessionary, because um, guess what? The reality is, the reality is this, it's coming. Buckle up. It's going to be a ride. Now, what exactly is the Steve Jobs paradigm? Now, here's the thing. Steve Jobs looked at things differently. He impacted four industries, had a, had a, it changed how people live day-to-day -day life repeatedly. And because think about this. I'm going to come back to this. So, you know, we got recessionary times coming. So what does Steve Jobs do? He was, he was involved in first the implementation of personal MP3 players, right? Now that wasn't the only game in town. Well, watch the cursor there. That wasn't the only game in town for, you know, being able to take music with you to take your playlists with you. Before that, he was involved with the creation of the entire personal computer industry. So you had the Apple, the Apple computer was one of the first mass produced computers in the home. It was really the computer that launched the personal computer craze. Now, because in the business world, we were using PCs. PCs were pretty close to coming out pretty close to the same amount of time. Neither of those were the first in the market. Not going to get into the history of the personal computers. Neither were the first. Both had the biggest impact for very different reasons. What Apple did that made personal computers something that everybody enjoyed using, saw the value in, was a couple of relatively minor innovations. He looked at how people used the product. This is part of the Steve Jobs paradigm. Now, the mouse, you're using a mouse, got one of these, a wireless, and I've got a wireless mouse that I use uh, when we're docked like we are right now. And you have a mouse pad on your computer. Apple started that. Graphical user interface, the, the, the look of the, of the graphical interface and how we interact with computers started with Apple. It took a decade for Microsoft to catch up with that for um, the PC, IBM at the time, to catch up with that on the, on the PC design in terms of being able to, to use a mouse, have a better graphical interface. There were, there were years behind. But Jobs cracked that market in the design based on what he observed and how people used it. Now let's come back to um, MP3 players. I created an MP3 player to make it possible to, to take your playlist with you, make it very convenient to carry and high quality earbuds. But guess what? That wasn't the first product that in the market it wasn't even the first big hit. Whoop, back up a second. Jumping ahead, jumping ahead. The uh, Walkman, you know, this type of cassette player was the big thing in the early days. You had a cassette player that would fit on your belt basically and carry it with you. You could record a playlist. It wasn't as easy to do as MP3s when things really got digital, but Sony owned that personal music space. You know, you take something hiking, jogging, uh, aer <laughs> aerobics was big in, you know, in the eighties, nineties, but yeah, you know, we had them, but, 80s, mid 80s, late 80s is roller skating on the beaches and the strand along the beaches in Southern California and had one of those with me and had, had a way to carry it. Headphones that went on, but 
this is nowhere as convenient as a product as this. Plus it has screen so you could see what you were playing, how far along you were and it had better controls. You had a control dial here so that you could advance in, uh, and see what you, you know, what song you're playing, what you wanted to play next. Steve Jobs was also involved in the creation of this, of the smartphone, not the cell phone, but the smartphone. So you get the iPod comes out, then you get the iPhone comes out, which is a digitally internet connected iPod using this, using the cellular networks. Cell phones have been around for over 20 years at that point. However, it, arguably, you know, you look at this photo, you get three people sitting on a park bench, staring at their iPhones or, or their smartphones, interacting or texting, perhaps surfing the net, unlike um, 10 years before that. Steve Jobs was involved with that. He was involved with digital media, with uh, Pixar. You know, a lot of the movies, the digital, the complete digital movies, what we used to call cartoons, that are cranked out by, um, well, cranked out is minimizing the effort. It takes, takes a lot of effort, but they came, Pixar came out with really high quality movies like Toy Story, right? Steve Jobs was involved with that as well. Why? Now, why is this? You got one person who's involved in so many innovations. Did he do it all himself? No, of course not. He was great at presenting it. He, in a lot of ways, he was the architect behind it conceptually. Again, that Steve Jobs paradigm, he could see how people were using things and how it could be done better, how it could fill the need. Don't even know that you got perhaps, right? Did anybody know that they needed an iPod or a smartphone before the iPhone came out? No. When they did come out though, there were smash hits because they fit right into the flow of people's daily lives. So this is the topic for today. You know, how do you, how do you apply that paradigm, that understanding of what, your customers are doing with the products that you sell them. How do you, how do you, you know, so there's the key. How do you innovate? What do you, what are you doing around innovation? How well do you know what your customer does with your product and what other competitors do or related products, how they interact with related products, right? Uh, manufacturing story. Now, if you give a service business and hang on a second, we'll come back to that. It's a manufacturing story. Worked with a, a manufacturer. Uh, it's actually a case study that's in uh, one of my books that, that the customer was struggling with people standing around on job sites and construction. So imagine this, you're building a 200 unit, a 1500 unit condo complex, and you've got the work crew standing around because you're short parts. Right, maybe not the whole work crew, but say you got 100, 200. And this was a real conversation. Get 200 employees standing waiting because they're short something, right? Short tubing, for example. And you know, I say it's piping for plumbing, There's, they don't have enough pipe for the plumbing, so they can't complete what they're doing in that phase of the build. And when you're starting to install stuff like that, it's an even bigger impact because they're in construction projects, things. The schedule slips, the schedule slips, they're running late, they're running late, they're running over cost. And now you got people standing around at two. How, you know, what is the cost of having a construction crew of 200 stand still for a half a day? You're still paying them. They're on site. They can't do what they need to do. Or you send, or worse, you send them home. Now you're not going to be getting everybody back when you call them back because they're going to, they're going to move on to another project. If they can, they got to eat. They have bills to pay. So these people stand around. They saw, so in this case, we were able to solve the problem for the customer by changing how stuff was delivered, 
you know, we could do that because we followed it back into how the company created what it was that they shipped. You're going, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to, and it was ridiculously minor adjustments in their, in their operations that allowed them to say, Hey, you know what? We can kit this precisely. So you've got exactly what you need. And if for some reason, something goes, ah, cause stuff gets lost in transit, gets damaged in transit, something gets mismeasured and you need a little bit more. So whatever, you know, weather happens, especially on construction job sites. If you need more, we can guarantee that we'll have it there. Um, in short order, you know, we can't do it in the four hour window, but guarantee anywhere in the United States, they could have it to them within, you know, within a day. So it may slow them down. So this is something that's not going to have them standing still, but this is like going, Hey, it may slow them down. It's not going to bring them. They'll never come to a stop again. Customer loved them, exploded their business because they're able to use that as a selling point to bring more in it was more profitable for them because the changes that they made in operations increased, increased their margins. And, that was all made possible because of understanding what the customer was doing, what the customer's customer was doing. Actually, in that case, how are you finding out what your customer's customer is doing, what your customer is doing with your product? Go here. So here's two, two uh, I'll give you three quick tips. First, go live with them for a day or an hour or a half day, whatever it is that's the right amount of time and that you can work out with your customer be with them for a day. Here's, here's something I'll tell you. And this happened in the case I just mentioned, but with a lot of the companies that I worked with over the years, could spend half a day to a couple of days, depending on the size of the, the company. You know, it takes time to, to talk with people and, and get information. But after after half a day to a couple of days, it'd be possible to go, look, here's what's going on in, in your company and have the founders, have the board of directors, have the, have the C-level uh, leadership team go, you know, we've been here for years and we didn't know this, this, and this is always bringing up stuff that was like crucial. And it's because how, you know, it's back to paradigm, how they're looking at, at the way they run the company, how they interact with the customer and how they put the information together. So Steve jobs had a different paradigm in how he looked at his company. He looked at customer first, customer use first. What can we innovate there and put a premium product in the customer's hands, right? iPhones, one of the most expensive smartphones on the market. What happens with iPhones? You know, you see a lot of, whoops, I want to show you something. You know, with the iPhone, people still buy it when they, they upgrade annually. So imagine being able to sell a new premium product to your customer base every year, every day, right? Every, every period that, um, whatever the sales period would be for your company. Okay. Wanted to show wanted to show another graphic there. We're not going to do that right now. So again, it's in that it's in that understanding. And then that's where you start to find innovations. Something you can do differently that changes the customer experience and puts you in a premium position because you're not raising prices, you're changing the value. You're adding more value to what you're you're selling to your customer. And in an inflationary, recessionary cycle, that's the type of moves that are going to have you in the thrive and scaling up circle or in the failing heap with a bunch of other companies. It's going to be tough times. You know, you're going to have to raise prices to cover costs at some point. There's probably competitors and you, and you may be watching them looking at each other and going, I don't want to go first. We know we're going to have to raise prices. I don't want to go first. It's ticking off customers. 
they understand because they have the same problem. So it just chains all the way through. Your suppliers raise their price. You raise your price to their customer. They raise their price to their customer. Nothing's changing in the value equation. It's not helping anybody. Be different. Have a different paradigm. Look at it differently like Steve Jobs did and find those ways that you can add value. With service, it may be, uh, say you're doing software as a service. It may be how your customer is using, and I'm just going to jump right to the, the thing I've seen as a most common problem, and a lot of research bears this out as well, is training them and how to use it so they can get the value that they expected when they bought that service from you. And they bought a piece of software, whether they haven't, you know, something's been out, they outsourced part of their operations. Maybe you're, you're and they outsource one of their internal functions to you and you're running, you know, running their accounting or running some of their uh, marketing for them. It's how that interacts with them how well they understand and training is, is, is <laughs> number one failure. Be, and there's, there's a whole bunch of reasons around that. If you want to hear more, let me know. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to that. And I see we're getting some comments. I'm sorry. I'm getting on my horse here and not sharing with you. Ken Walls, how are you, my friend? Thanks for being part of the conversation. Appreciate this. You know, this is just Ken Walls is the king of live stream. He has an interview series that is just off the charts, breaking through walls. If you haven't seen it, you need to look him up. In fact, I'll put a link in um, in the description for this uh, after the show's over. We're going to be off here in a second because I want to keep this tight for you. Ken, thanks for being part of the conversation. Appreciate you, man. You know, and it's something that, that we talk about. He runs a, a weekly mastermind as well. There's a lot of conversation about what's going on with the economy and how do you stay ahead in it. So innovate, understand what is spend time with spend time with your customer map the flow. That's the second tip I wanted to give you. It's just, it's just an issue of charting it out so that you can see what people are doing. How are they using it? What are the steps that they're going through so that you can do like in the, you know, like in this graphic here, you know, just map it out step-by-step step through the process to see what's there. And then you can put some numbers to it in terms of how long it takes. What are some of the efficiencies, inefficiencies, ideas that you have on how it could be adjusted in a way that wins for you, wins for your customer. And then, you know, the the third the third thing that I had, had wanted to mention is you get those mapping it out. And then the third thing is have your people that are customer facing, to use a MBA term, have your people that are customer facing, you know, your salespeople, you yourself, as you're talking to, to clients, technical people that are having conversations with other technical people within the industry, but also that are working support for your customers, your customer service or whatever the equivalent of your customer services. This is for, this is for you as a business owner. You got 25 to 250, maybe 300 employees. These are, these are simple, easy tactics you can implement tomorrow and make a difference in your business have the information so that within, you know, within a business quarter, you're adding revenue to your company because you've been able to innovate. So that's the tip for today. And, uh, you know, again, it's about you, you want to innovate because sometimes you, you want to have people standing around the block. And you know, think about this. Apple lines people up every year for the newest, latest, greatest iPhone at what? Now they're up to $1,100 a throw of copy. Sorry. Dating myself, but $1,100 per phone. And that's not uncommon in the industry anymore. $1,100 to $1,200 for the top of the line cell phones and people line up and, and wait for them. So innovation is about sometimes people want not just an apple. They want, you know, they want, they like a red apple. They like a green apple because one's a little bit sweeter. One's a little bit tarter and, and, and chewier. 
Sometimes what they what they will really stand in line for is when you innovate and give them an apple that has both. So you're mixing the, the green tart apple with the uh, really red delicious. And that's actually the brand of the apple. There's a brand called Red Delicious. We used to grow apples when I was a kid. And it makes a huge difference. It's minor, minor innovations. You know, a lot of times it's like taking something you already got and just giving it a small tweak. And that makes a big difference for your customer. But you don't know that if you're not A, spending time with them, B, mapping out what they're doing, how you, what in what you're doing to see how does that match? Where does that cause problems? And then three, having your people constantly bringing in information into the discussion, into the management meetings and the status meetings in order to understand what, what the trends are, where people are headed so that you can innovate. And then with that, in, through that innovation, leverage that Steve Jobs paradigm where you're putting a premium product, a premium service out in the marketplace. So you've got large margins that protect your business. You've got happy customers because you're providing them with more value instead of just raising prices up like everybody else is doing to cover the inflationary cycle. Oh, that's a lot. That's all for today. Thanks for being part of the conversation. Thanks for being part of Wolf's Watch. This is live and interactive, 21st Century TV, right? We can interact through the comments. Love doing that. Again, Ken Walls, thanks for joining us. And I will see you on the trail.